Wednesday here on the Inside the Pylon Quick Kicks podcast. Chuck Zada, Mark Schofield, we are heading to the NFC, bouncing back and forth between the NFC North and the NFC East, taking a look at that battle between the Eagles, who managed to hand the Vikings their first loss of the season on Sunday. We're going to dig into exactly what happened in that game. And as I mentioned right off the top, I'm joined by Mark Schofield, just as I am every single day, except when either he or I take the day off, because we occasionally do. Yesterday, we both took the day off, so we had no show. But we're here. It's Wednesday. Eagles-Vikings, Mark. Yeah, Eagles-Vikings. And, you know, getting ready to talk about this game, um, having gone through the tape, having broken it down, it was. I was really excited to watch this game. Obviously, the whole world knows about my stance on Wentz Hill. This draft season, um, Carson Wentz, the rookie quarterback from Dakota State. I was really excited to go through this tape. and it's, I'm reminded of that Roddy Dangerfield bit about talking about going to a fight in a hockey game breaking out. Well, it's like going to this game hoping to see the quarterbacks play well and a defensive battle broke out. I mean, that's basically what it came down to. Let's, let's start with uh, Mr. Wentz, obviously. You are uh, – do we have a nickname for Wentz's fans yet? Well, it's, it sounds like Philly's rolling with the Wentz wagon. Okay, I can I can get on board with the Wentz wagon. So as captain of the Wentz wagon, okay, what's your take on this performance? Especially, uh, you know, put some context into this performance for me. Because obviously, I look at the stat line right off the bat and I say, eh, 138 yards, only 57% completion percentage, threw a couple picks, doesn't, you know, doesn't look good. But obviously, we know things can be a little bit deceptive. What what we see from Mr. Wentz over the weekend? Well, I think we're starting to see – I don't want to really say that we're starting to see teams now catching up to what they're doing. I, there was a lot of talk on the Twitter timeline, like during the game Sunday, that, oh, you know, he's throwing two picks. Teams are catching up. It's up to Wentz and Peterson to try to stay ahead of the curve. Well, when you look at, for example, the two interceptions that he threw, First interception comes on basically a stick concept, which is something that, you know, they've been doing with Wentz early this year. You know, it's a simplified read structure play where, you know, Wentz is looking to that number three receiver who's the inside receiver on the trips, who's going to be running either a curl or an out route dependent on the coverage. And he knows that's where he's going to go with the football, you know. If it's man coverage, that guy's going to run away from the linebacker underneath towards the sideline. He's going to throw the out route. If it's zone coverage, that guy's going to sort of squat down in between the defenders underneath, find some grass, make himself available. It's a very simplified read. It's a nice, easy throw. You see it a lot on Saturdays in the SEC or any other college conference because it's a good throw to sort of get your guy on schedule here. You know, and it's, you know, a second and long situation. So it's, you know, nice kind of throw there to, you know, maybe get some yardage, get into the third and manageable. That's the first interception to Selleck. And, you know, that's what he does. I mean, he makes the right read. He sees man coverage. Selleck breaks out, makes a throw, and it's a little bit off target. Selleck gets his hands to it, and it kind of gets tipped for the interception. I mean, it's not a situation where he gets confused by the defense, makes the wrong read. He makes the right read. I mean, I'm looking at it right now. There's some good coverage. He puts the ball in a catchable spot. It gets tipped and intercepted. So I'm really not going to ding him too badly for that. You look at the other interception, which he throws later in the first quarter. I mean, both of these come in the first quarter. And 
it's a Yankee concept, which is something we've talked about a lot on Inside the Pond. There's a glossary entry for Yankee concept up on ITP that listeners can find. It's sort of a max protection. They use three receivers here. They do have a receiver sort of in the flat to check down. But they've got two guys, one on a deep over route, one on the post. Minnesota here does a very good job here of disguising coverage. They show cover one pre-snap. Pre-snap, you see nine guys on the line of scrimmage from the Minnesota defense. Then the cornerback on the other side of the field, the Wentz is going to throw to Nelson Aguilar. The quarterback on the other side of the field starts to drop back. They actually rotate it really creatively to a cover two look where the cornerback who looks to be showing blitz, who's on the line of scrimmage, down over the right tackle, then rotates to the outside and runs with that defense, that, that opposite wide receiver. So as they rotate it to cover two, Wentz reads it well because he throws to that post route, which is the route you kind of want to throw to in this cover against the cover two defense, that post route, splitting those two safeties. He makes the right read. He just doesn't pull the trigger quickly enough. So again, it's he's making the right read. He had a little bit of bad luck on the first throw. On the second interception, he needs to pull the trigger a little bit quicker, which is what you expect from rookies. Sometimes they don't make the, they'll, they'll make the right decision like once does here. They just don't do it fast enough. I, I'm obviously not you know giving up my stewardship as captain of the Wentz wagon over these two plays or anything really that happened in this game because you know the guy kind of battled and you know this was a game that they won ugly. There were some plays that he had to make sort of improvising. There were a couple of fumbled snaps on a drive later in the game leading to a touchdown pass to uh, Doriel Green Beckham where fumbled snap, he kept the play alive with his feet, found Darren Sproles for a big gain. So, you know, he did some things that you expect a rookie to do. He did some things that, you know, you expected Carson Wentz to be able to do given his athleticism coming out of college. The second interception that you mentioned there, is that the kind of thing where you're going to be watching over the course of the rest of the season to see if he adjusts and learns from that and is able to pick that read up more quickly? Yeah, I mean, that's what you're hoping to see any sort of rookie quarterback be able to do is make the reads faster. I'm, you know, very pleased in a certain extent that he made the right read there. I mean, because if they were running cover one or cover three in that situation, then you're looking for a high-low, and the post route really might not be where you're going to go with the football, depending on what that free safety, that center field safety is going to do. I mean, Yankee concept, you've got the over route coming from one side, the post route over the top, and against cover one, cover three, you're really looking to high-low that middle-of-the-field safety to see what he does. So again, to see them rotate it to cover two the way that they did, it was really creative rotation. People should check it out. It comes at the 528 mark of the first quarter. Check it out on the All-22. It's a really creative way that Minnesota rotates their coverage here. Once makes the right read, at least in my understanding of you know post routes versus cover two, the way I was taught, the way I was coached in college, that's what you're looking. That's where you're looking to go with the football. He just doesn't make it quickly enough. The fact that he saw it, it's great especially given how Minnesota runs it on this play, you would like to, as you said, see him make that read faster, make that throw faster, because that's going to be the difference between, in this case, an interception and a potential big play. Next question for you. I'm going to head over to uh, the other side of the ball. I'm going to take a look uh, at what we're seeing from Minnesota. Where I actually want to start, and it was this game that caused me to kind of go back and check up on all this, where did the Corderell Patterson resurgence come from, and is it for real? I think it is for real, to be honest. And, you know, for the work that both you and I are doing for Bleacher Report and the NFL 1000 Project, I've gotten a chance to see all of his snaps now at the receiver position this year. And each week, you know, over the past, you know, four or five weeks or so, he's been getting more and more snaps 
on the offensive side of the football. And initially, they were kind of using him sort of as a gadget guy, you know, a lot of smoke routes, bubble screens, end arounds, things like that, to take advantage of his athleticism. But what's really starting to stand out for me are a couple of things, and that's his route running ability. He's, I don't want to say he's a flawless route runner, but he runs routes fairly well. And his play strength at the wide receiver position has been kind of interesting to watch. I mean, I'm thinking back to a game a couple of weeks ago. I think it was a game against Tampa Bay where he just runs a curl route. And, you know, given sort of the vibe around Cordell Patterson where he's just like a fast track star type guy, you don't expect him to fight for yardage after the catch. At least that's sort of like the conventional wisdom around him. But he makes a catch on sort of a third and eight situation short of the sticks and just has the strength to stay upright and fall forward and fight forward for additional yardage and to get the first down. And he's, you know, run some routes in the red zone. I think he had a red zone route against Tampa Bay in that game, which showed a little bit of nuance to his route running, a little bit of upper body involvement in the head fake to cut to the inside and then break to the corner. So his sort of development, it's a long time coming, obviously, but it's nice to see. And there's a side note to that which is the Laquan Treadwell aspect of the Minnesota Vikings offense, or should we say a non-aspect. He's basically just completely been, you know, absent from what Minnesota is doing offensively. It gives credence to the idea that Minnesota does bring receivers along slowly. So if you're a Vikings fan and you're really starting to wonder about, you know, is this just a bust pick here? Look at what Patterson's doing. Look at how he's starting to become more and more incorporated into this offense and relax a little bit because, you know, maybe it's going to take a little while. Maybe they do bring the guys along slowly at the wide receiver position out in Minnesota. But Treadwell's a good talent, and so is Patterson. We're starting to see it now with Patterson. Maybe it's just going to take a little bit longer to see it from Treadwell. With Patterson, the other thing that I find interesting is uh, he's been showing up in punt coverage an awful lot this year as well uh, and being able to make an impact there. And that's where you mentioned the play strength that you see from him uh, that's kind of surprising when, when you see it, uh, and, you know, it while he's playing wide receiver. I've seen him on special teams a couple times. He's ripping through blocks. I mean, he he's a guy that's fighting on special teams to get down and make plays. And it's interesting because the sense I got last year was that you had this uber talented guy who you know shifty guy, you know, fast, able to make plays, but just for whatever reason didn't seem to be involved in the game and just couldn't get on the field for whatever reason just because he had fallen out of favor with the coaching staff and he's fighting on every play it seems like when i see him on special teams you know he's he's busting his hump to get down there so i see the same kind of thing uh when i'm watching him there looking uh at the vikings defense this is uh the top ranked unit in the league right now when you see how they're playing defense what shows up to you when you're watching that film I mean, they're a very impressive defense to watch. And the secondary, I mean, I'll go back to that Aguilar interception. I mean, that was, you know, there was obviously a schematic element to it. But, you know, to be able to rotate the coverage as crisply as they do to show one look and then to really rotate it right at the snap. I mean, that's, you know, nine times out of ten, you're going to beat a quarterback when you can do something like that. So, I mean, you know, that's impressive to see. Their defensive front up front, I mean, they're fast, they're aggressive they can get after the quarterback they can get pressure at three they can get pressure with four they don't need to blitz so they can do some you know very interesting things up front they've got an athletic group at that second level with those linebackers it's a very impressive defense to watch play and you know they're going to be able to 
hold many teams, I'd say, under that you know, 14, 15-point range, um, maybe even less, hold them under 10. And anytime you get a defense that can do that, you're in position to win games. What about the Philadelphia defense that held this Vikings team to just 10 points here? What did you see from them uh, as they battled with Sam Bradford, who you know has frankly played pretty well over the first uh, you know first part of the season to this point? Yeah, I mean, definite credit to the Philly defensive staff here for sort of the game plan that they put together. They did some really creative things um, defensively. They did a lot of stuff blitzing from different angles where a quarterback might not expect it to be coming from. I mean, a play that comes to mind is sort of late in the first half. It's like at the 251 mark of the second quarter. And, you know, Minnesota's driving. I mean, this is still, you know, a fairly close game right now. I mean, it's, you know, when this play, when this play goes down, I mean, it's an uh, 8-3 game, I think. Yeah, it's an Minnesota is trailing three to eight, and you know they're in a position where they can go in and take the lead at halftime, and you know basically it's your standard sort of four two it looks like, maybe even base four three. I think it's a four two look here. I'm trying to look, but you know they blitz the guy that's over the slot receiver. They blitz him that safety, and they blitz him, and he shows off coverage pre snap. So pre snap he's given about eight yards of cushion. Before he blitzes, and he's coming from Bradford's left, and he times it up fairly well. Bradford shows a little read option look, but the, the safety is able to, you know, sort of run the arc fairly well. But behind it, it's not sort of a cover zero blitz situation. You know, they drop. It's more like a fire zone where they're dropping into zone coverage behind it. And so, what I'm talking about the angle of the blitz here, you've got the defender that's coming, you know, eight yards in the slot pre-snap, and as that blitz comes and it's time to fare the well it's coming from bradford's blind side and he's seeing zone coverage in the secondary and so it's sort of a little little contradiction in the quarterback's mind where you're seeing zone coverage you're not expecting a blitz especially from that pre-snap alignment so you know it's hard to tell obviously from the tape you know where bradford was looking at every single moment if he saw it coming or not but still that sort of juxtaposition between that blitz from that alignment from that angle and zone coverage behind it you know is a nice little design and what ends up happening is strip sack you know, Philly recovers, and then they end up going down the field and kicking a field goal. So instead of a situation where Minnesota could have had the lead maybe 10-8 at halftime if they go in and score, now it's an 11-3 game at the half. So when you take a look at this in its totality, which one of these teams do you think you learned more about going forward after watching this game? Do you think that this tells you a little bit more about the Eagles, or does it tell you something about the Vikings and their potential weaknesses? I, I think it more than anything, it probably tells us that both offenses still have a little bit of work to do. I mean, I think to really come down and, you know, to plant my you know flag on that answer, I think it probably tells us more about, I'd say, this Minnesota defense, even though they lost, you know, they're still very creative and active defense. And, you know, Philly really had to, like, you know, they got a kickoff return touchdown. I mean, they their defense put them in position, particularly with, you know, right before the half, the play that we just talked about. Um so, I mean, I think that Minnesota defense, it's still a very, very solid unit. Um, both of these teams, I think, are in pretty, I don't, I don't want to say good position, but they're in decent shape right now. You know, they need some fine-tuning on offense. I think Philly, you know, they, they're going to need to get, you know, Wentz progressing as you would hope he would. Um, but, I mean, it's one of those games where, you know, if I were a fan of either team, you know, I, I wouldn't be too despondent. I wouldn't be too overjoyed with how this game turned out. Very good. Mark Schofield, 
That's all we got for this week. Uh, who's uh, who's Mr. Wentz playing uh, the upcoming weekend? Are the uh, the Eagles on or do they have a bye? No, they already had their bye. Um, they're, I think they get Dallas coming off their bye. Ooh, you're right. Eagles yeah. at Dallas. And that's Sunday, Sunday night. night at Dallas. Sunday night Ooh. at Jerry World. That's going to be a party. Yeah, we got we got we Dak got Dak and Carson show. Yeah, we get we get a little Dak and Carson show with a little side of Zeke. That's not a bad way to spend a Sunday night. It's really not. It's about as good as it gets right there. We're done for the day. Back tomorrow with our plays of the week. We're gonna be talking about offense and special teams all day tomorrow. We'll see you tomorrow on the Quick Kicks Podcast. <laughs>